There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Wednesday, September 1st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we check on Hancock County in the wake of Hurricane Ida. Then, Mississippi's insurance commissioner talks next steps for the coast. And after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, the perils of income tax elimination. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Last week, we heard from Hancock County's Emergency Management Agency as it braced for Ida. Now, focus turns to recovery efforts. Hancock EMA Director Brian Adams speaks again with Rob Lane. Our streets, we had a lot of a lot of flooded areas. They're going down. I'm, one of our main thoroughfares, Highway 603, was flooded, and we had to block it off. It's now it's back open. A lot of our side streets on our main thoroughfares in different areas were flooded. They're starting to, uh, the roads are starting to really recede. And uh, we still have a few roads here and there uh, with water over them, uh, but nothing real major. How about wind damage? We've done kind of a, a window assessment, and we haven't seen a whole lot. Uh, we've had a few trees down, but we haven't had a, seen a whole lot of uh, exterior damage to houses. We're, we're encouraging people to, if they had damage, to call us. You know, we're here in Jackson, and we really seem to have dodged the brunt of this storm. We seem to have made it through pretty well. Obviously, it sounds like you're relatively pleased, but that you certainly did get slammed a little bit more closer to the coast than than we did, which is not necessarily a surprise. Can you sort of paint a picture for Mississippians and the rest of the state who maybe didn't feel the full force of the storm, what it was like? Oh, it was it was getting pretty rough. I mean, we had started, you know, late afternoon getting stuff, and all, you know, all day having some rain showers. Then it started, started, the rain started getting heavier. The wind started picking up. I think our if I remember, I correct uh, wind. The highest wind gust was almost 70 miles per hour, but you know we just kept getting it, and the roads started flooding, uh, which they started early yesterday. So we knew it was coming. We knew that it wouldn't go out. Uh, so 
that, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, it's just the, the war came in. It's the wind started blowing. We had a few trees down. Uh, we had a few citizens. We had to go get uh, do some citizen um, help with a couple of them that should have evacuated a lot sooner than what they did. And we was able to assist them out. It wasn't a war rescue or anything, just kind of assist them out of the, out of the area. How severe is the you said there was flooding. Was that largely just roadways, or were there significant, you know, residential areas, commercial areas negatively affected? Well, we we haven't um, we we on our initial inspection, we haven't seen a whole lot of um, that indicates how water and houses. Most of the area that we have water issues are all on stilts. They built up to code, so we don't see um, a lot of times we don't see the houses getting water in them. Have you been in contact with state or federal recovery agencies to talk about next steps? No, we, um, we, after carefully looking over it, um, you know, we got, we have state help in here as far as MEMA help and a few other uh, state search and rescue assets we had in here and swift water. But other than I feel this business office feels that you know, we don't need the, the the water and food at this time. Our stores are still up; they're coming up, and everything should be back to normal. And hopefully, in a few days. Well, we are all certainly very glad to hear that. All right, I really appreciate it. I will let you go. Thank you again. All right, thank you. Brian Adam is emergency management director for Hancock County. Coming up, a conversation with the state insurance commissioner. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi Gulf Coast homeowners hard hit by Ida will be filing insurance claims this week. Mike Cheney, who's the state's insurance commissioner, speaks with Rob Lane. From our perspective, most of the damage on the Gulf Coast is going to be due to water uh, on the on the ground side, and we'll have some roof damage, similar to what we had with Zeta back in uh, 2020. The uh, roof damage is will be assessed after the storm. It takes a while for adjusters to get in. They're all we already have emergency adjusters in place on the Gulf Coast, so they're uh, there to help the homeowners. The homeowners need to do this. They need to contact the insurance company, or if they have their policy, they need to call the 800 number, and an adjuster will be there. Fairly simple. I know you've really emphasized throughout your tenure the importance of having robust home insurance if you anywhere living anywhere in the state, but especially along the coast. Do you feel like that message is being heard? Do you feel like a sufficient number of people along the coast are well insured? Most of the coast people are very well insured. They have uh, good insurance. It's affordable. Not everybody would agree with that statement, but it is affordable compared to other states. And what we have found that when people have the right insurance, they, they have very few problems with their claims. So we now make certain that our consumers understand the difference between water damage and wind damage. And most people, if they're in the state-run wind pool, have flood insurance. We require that if you're in a flood zone. It's a, it's a fairly good process. 
lessons learned from Katrina and Gustav and all the other hurricanes that we've had hit the Gulf Coast have been applied, and it makes it a fairly good experience for the consumer after a storm. Can you explain that a little more in depth, the difference between water damage and wind damage and how people should, you know, your advice is people navigate working with insurers? Well, what we first thing we tell a homeowner after a hurricane or any catastrophic event is to possible if you have a phone, take pictures or videos of the damage post to the not only to the home but of the contents in the home. Make sure that your agent and insurance company have your correct contact information, especially if you've evacuated the area and you're unable to receive information at your home. They also need an alternate number like a cell cell phone number. You should also make an attempt to separate your damaged personal property from undamaged items, but don't throw them away. You've got to keep them until the adjuster shows up. And keep those items all will help you when you have a claims adjuster come by to see you. If you have comprehensive coverage through your vehicle policy, and that's a special automobile, you should be covered from damage. If you uh protected that automobile and try to keep it out of harm's way, such as rising water on the Gulf Coast, uh, your insurance company will probably cover you. We have had cases before where people would leave the vehicle knowing it would be flooded. We had a couple of pictures of those already. But uh, generally speaking, the insurance companies will not cover them if they know that somebody left them on the beach so they would go underwater. If you are a renter or you rent your apartment, If you have renter's insurance, storm damage is usually covered peril. If you have renter's insurance, your personal property damage by the storms would be covered uh, subject to the policy limits. And if you have to pay a deductible for your losses will be paid out, it will be stated in your policy as to what that deductible is. If you had to use an event like Ida as an opportunity to pitch the importance of having robust home insurance, what would you say? The main thing I would tell folks on Ida is this. It proves that you really do need to adhere to building codes. One of the reasons that we do not have as much damage on the Gulf Coast as they may have in other states is simply because we have enforced the IBHS and our the International Residential Code, in other words, and the International Business Code and, and new buildings. And this leads to less damage when you have uh, high winds. You said that the Gulf Coast is generally very well insured. What kind of an economic impact does a recovery from a storm like Ida have? Is there a potential that there could actually be an economic boon as a result of new construction and sort of money flying around to make repairs and make renovations? If the damage is severe, there could be a, a small economic boom on the Gulf Coast from the damage of uh, Ida. But uh, what we tell folks is that after a, a major storm, Building materials will go up in price due to the shortage, especially for things like plywood and roofing materials. Uh, we know that's especially true in Louisiana. And Mississippi kind of follows suit along those lines. That We experienced that after Zeta in 2020 and after Katrina 16 years ago. So we do know that the prices go up. But uh, after Katrina, most of the economic boom was due to the infusion of monies by FEMA. Uh, I don't know what the FEMA numbers will be at this point. It's just hard to say, and we're still assessing the dollar damages. Um, we make this report. It'll take us um, a few more days before we have the total damage estimates on the Gulf Coast, and we're doing that through some fairly new technology called uh, Q-Risk. 
So uh, we work very closely with NEMA, and we'll put those numbers out sometimes within the next few days. It's always good to talk to you because, of course, you're not only the state insurance commissioner, you're also the fire marshal. And high wind events like hurricanes, I know, can sometimes increase risk for fires. Is that something that you've seen? And is that something you're still concerned about? Well, we always worry about fires increasing after a storm due to the fact that you have a lot of power lines down. Mississippi's fortunate in that Entergy uh, and Mississippi Power have been proactive in preventing um, some of the wind damage by cutting trees and being certain that uh, lines are protected. Louisiana, on the other hand, has some severe damage. All of New Orleans' power, as we make this um, interview, is knocked out. I had a request for 300 volunteer and professional firefighters to go to uh, Louisiana, and we're in the process of doing the paperwork. We have to credential all of those firefighters and first responders when they go into a, an area like New Orleans or Baton Rouge where it's been hit with a hurricane so that they have the proper credentials and people know they're not there posing as a firefighter and looting. That's always a big problem. The 300 requests are basically for rescue personnel and people to uh, supplement the firefighters that already exist and first responders that already exist in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Laplace areas of the state, which were severely hit by Adam. Mike Cheney is Mississippi's insurance commissioner and fire marshal. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, an analyst's perspective on income tax elimination in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Department of Health has released its latest number of COVID-19 cases. It's 2,393 and 81 deaths. Conservative state lawmakers led by House Speaker Philip Gunn continue to push towards elimination of Mississippi's income tax. Legislators held extensive hearings on the subject last week. Gunn and his allies say income tax elimination could help attract wealth and enterprise to the state. That, they hope, might aid Mississippi in keeping up economically with regional rivals like Florida and Tennessee. Critics of Gunn's plan uh, plan say the state and its people literally can't afford to lose the tax. Kamalika Das is policy advisor for Mississippi at the Institute of Taxation and Economic Policy. The idea that eliminating the income tax would boost the economy is just completely false. There's absolutely no research to back this up. And then you hear that from businesses as well. You know, businesses um, are attracted to places that have strong quality education systems that actually have infrastructure in place. And killing the, the personal income tax would just make all of that impossible. And if you hear about, oh, you know, migration, you can actually look at the research and see that, that the places where there, where there has been population growth you know, are places that have um, high income tax rates. The idea that people move based on income taxes is just, it's just not true. And that has not been backed up by research. And yet the proponents say, or they look to states like Tennessee or Texas, 
saying that mm-hmm. it was extremely beneficial for those states. Do they compare to Mississippi in any way? No, they don't. Also, I don't think Mississippi should strive to be like Tennessee. So, you know, for instance, Tennessee has one of the most inequitable tax systems. You know, you might think that, oh, okay, it's low tax, but it has extremely high taxes for the poor. As a share of personal income, the poorest 20% of residents pay significantly more in state and local taxes than any other group. And really, their tax system just uh, pushes the state's poor residents deeper into poverty, has really dramatic consequences for racial equity. And then, you know, you think about places like Alaska or Texas, and they have, so first of all, Texas, again, is extremely low tax for the wealthy, but it is not low tax for the poor. And then Mississippi also doesn't have the oil revenues that Texas has doesn't have those natural resources that Alaska has. Um, it doesn't have Disney World or a lot of the, the tourist traps that, that Florida has. And that's really going to just be hurting um, Mississippians. Governor Tate Reeves says he is in favor of eliminating the income tax and is against raising any other kind of taxes, period. Does that money have to be made up? And if so, where would that money be coming from? I think that idea is just completely fantastical. Uh, The income tax really accounts for, you know, almost a third of Mississippi's revenue. And, you know, Mississippi already has really low inadequate revenues. Mississippi teachers are already getting the paid the absolute lowest in the nation. The state's per people funding is the fourth lowest in the nation. There's no money to cut, essentially. On the other side of the coin, House Speaker Philip Gunn, also a Republican, as Tate Reeves, he recommended last spring eliminating the state income tax and then increasing the sales tax. Wouldn't that cost Mississippians even more, particularly those in the lower income bracket? Yeah, that would be terribly regressive. I mean, honestly, neither of these proposals are helpful whatsoever if you want to create a thriving Mississippi. Um, If you were to try to make up this revenue with a sales tax increase, it would hurt um, Mississippi's working class. It would really hurt seniors living on fixed incomes. Even business leaders at the hearing spoke out against it. So it's really unclear whom it would be helping other than Mississippi's wealthiest earners. And, you know, I just want to talk about that for a second. You know, if you imagine a single person who's working full-time uh, truly full-time at a big box store, making minimum wage, bringing in around $16,000 a year, you know, that person has to spend every dime of his earnings on basic necessities. And okay, the income tax cut might save him a little bit, but the sales tax increase would, it would be more than any of those savings. So it's an overall loss. And that's definitely true of seniors since Mississippi doesn't tax retirement incomes at all. So, you know, say a senior's living off $30,000 fixed income, they wouldn't save anything from the income tax cut, but they'd be paying almost $400 a year on the sales tax increase. And then, you know, you have, for example, you know, a doctor, someone who's wealthy or a CEO, and it's the exact opposite. That household would save thousands on the income tax cut. And yeah, even though they would pay more in the sales tax, that increase would be just minuscule compared to the income tax cut. So for a CEO or someone in the top 1%, that tax cut would be in the tens of thousands. 
I said, clearly none of this is happening in a vacuum. We're talking about a time when the wealthy have already seen their investments grow while lower wage workers, predominantly workers of color, have been facing job loss and wage reductions. So we're just talking about, honestly, two proposals that would just take all of the inequities and make it far, far worse. You've made the strongest case for why the income tax should not be eliminated. Does this come down to strictly a Republican versus Democrat ideology? I don't think this is even a Republican ideology anymore, though. You know, I think that a lot of Republican ideology from maybe a decade or two or three ago would be differing views on how to support maybe the working class. There would be differing views on how to support maybe business leaders. But I I don't even think that you can't even attribute this to, to any type of ideology because this isn't supporting. I mean, like I said, even the business leaders spoke out against this. This isn't based on any type of research whatsoever. I mean, when this first came up, there was no fiscal note. I mean, it is just based. I, I mean, to be honest, I don't know what it could possibly be based on other than enriching powerful interests. Would you be surprised if this passed? I would be, I would be devastated. I am holding out hope that it will not. Kamalika Das is the state policy analyst for the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you. Lawmakers may have an opportunity to vote on income tax elimination during the next legislative session that's slated to begin in early 2022. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.